0: Allie's face flushed. Old lady, she answered. What? Old lady, sir, she corrected. That's better. Now get your butt over to first aid. You should probably have a band-aid on that cut over your eye, and have them give you an ice pack. Looks to me like you're gonna have yourself a real shiner. It was a long walk through the sweaty, overheated gym, the Phoenix metropolitan area was roasting in triple-digit heat. Although the gym's A.C. was running at full strength, it couldn't do more than 30 degrees below the outside temp of 116. Allie's classmates stopped what they were doing and stood on their own mats to watch her walk of shame. Some of them were sympathetic, but more shared Jose's opinion that no self-respecting 40-something female had any business being there, and they wanted her to quit. Blood dribbled down the side of her cheek and onto the neck of her T-shirt. She made no effort to wipe it away. If her classmates were looking for blood, she'd give it to them. She stepped out of the gym into glaring sunshine and brutal afternoon heat. The mountains in the distance were obscured by a haze of earth-brown smog. August was supposed to be the rainy season, with monsoon rains drenching the thirsty Sonoran desert. But so far, the much-needed rains were absent, although the rising humidity was not. By the time Allie arrived in the administration office, she had made herself a promise. Sometime in the next two weeks, Jose Reyes was looking at a takedown of his own. Betty Jo Hamilton, the Academy's office manager, was also in charge of first aid. Oh, my, she said, peering at Allie over a pair of horn-rimmed spectacles. What do we have here? Just a little bump, Allie said. After determining that no stitches were required, Betty Jo applied a butterfly band-aid to the cut and then brought out an ice pack. If I were you, she said, I'd take it pretty easy for the rest of the afternoon. Let me know if you feel faint or experience any nausea. Allie was glad to comply. She wasn't used to losing, and she didn't need to go back to the gym to revisit her ignominious defeat. Instead, she returned to the dorm, shut herself in her room, and lay down on the bed with the ice pack over her eye. Most of the academy attendees from the Phoenix area made the nightly trip home. The out-of-towners, recruits who lived too far away for a daily commute, made use of the dorm facilities. The three remaining women had rooms to themselves. Allie was especially grateful for that now. She needed some privacy to lick her wounds. Months earlier, Allie had been serving as an interim media relations consultant for the Yavapai County Sheriff's Department when Sheriff Gordon Maxwell had broached the idea of sending her to the academy. Once a well-known TV news anchor in L.A., Allie had returned to her hometown of Sedona, Arizona, after both her career and marriage came to sudden ends. Paul Grayson, Allie's philandering, late, and very much unlamented second husband, had been murdered the day before their divorce would have been final. As a divorcee, Allie would have been in somewhat straitened financial circumstances. As Paul's widow, however, and through no fault of her own, she was now an extremely wealthy former anchor and aspiring cop. After her life-changing pair of crises, Allie had spent a year or two back in her hometown, getting used to the idea of being on her own. Her parents, Bob and Edie Larson, owners of the Sugarloaf Cafe, lived there in Sedona, as did Allie's son Christopher and his fairly new and now newly pregnant bride, Athena, both of whom taught at Sedona High School. For a while, it was okay to be Bob and Edie's daughter and Chris's mom, but Allie was used to working used to being busy. Finding herself bored to distraction, she took on the project of purchasing and remodeling the house on Manzanita Hills Road, which she shared with Leland Brooks. Mr. Brooks was her aging but entirely capable personal assistant, or as she liked to call him, her major domo, since both he and the word seemed to hail from a more gracious, bygone era. Allie had had a boyfriend, but at her age the word boyfriend rankled. She liked to think of B. Simpson as her lover. When speaking to others, she referred to him as her significant other.